Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Where are we at? 2 Samuel chapter 11. All right, let's read. We're going to go on, on down to verse 5 from verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David, somebody say David. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Somebody say, oh no. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. I thank you, God, that you have brought these people here tonight. And, Lord, that you long to speak to every single one of us. Come on, place your hand on your heart and just ask the Lord to speak to you. Come on, just open your mouth and just ask him. Lord, speak to us tonight. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray, Lord, that you would just breathe upon this congregation. Breathe upon us, Lord, as we dissect this passage. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated while I grab a bottle of water. I had a Little Miller's chocolate shake, and my mouth has been dry ever since. But it was worth it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Jesus. I am believing God for great and mighty things. We're going to pray for you at the end of the service if you want prayer. And I want to believe God for some great miracles. You know, the song I shared last week, if you didn't get it, go back to last week and try and find it if they have it. Go and listen to it. The reason... Not, not the reason, but, but mostly the reason I even started writing that song is because it was just coming out of me. I want, I want miracles. I want signs. I want wonders. I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just come and warm a pew. I want to do something significant for God. I want to see great things take place, souls saved, people transferred out of darkness and put into his marvelous light. I want to see people that are broken restored, people that are lost found. I want to see that happen. I'm not satisfied with just warming a pew. I don't want to just exist. I know God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. He wants to do something. He's called us to go and to preach the gospel, to see, to see, uh, to have reco- recovery of sight to the blind, to see great and mighty things take place. Not, not, not just pastors, not just ministers, but you and I. Every one of us. Under the sound of my voice, both online, those who listen later, and those in this place, God wants to use you powerfully. I am believing for great and mighty things to take place on Maui, but also in Wasilla, in Eagle River, in Anchorage, come on, in Bristol Bay, everywhere that we're planted. I'm believing for God to do a great thing, not just in our church, but every church in the valley, every church in the state, and in the United States of America. 
We need a revival. We need an awakening. We need great and mighty things to take place. It just the way it's going right now, you know, there's great things taking place, but we need more. Come on, somebody say, we need more. And we have a job to do. You know, as a pastor, my job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I know it's popular belief that the pastor's job is to do the ministry. It's not. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's to equip you for the work of ministry. Oh, not me, pastor. Yes, you. That's my job. That's Pastor Daniel's job. To equip you for the work of ministry. I didn't know I signed up for that. Yeah, you did. When you said, Lord, I'm going to pick up my cross and follow after you, that's what you said. All right. We got a job to do. And in the midst of doing that job, how many know the enemy does not like God's people? In any way that he possibly can trip you up, he will try. And so tonight, I want to talk about overcoming Bathsheba. I want to talk about overcoming temptation. And for you, Bathsheba might look like something different. For David, it looked like something specific in this story. But for you, it might look like something different. So I want to get into the text tonight. But I also want to say before we start, we start this, the enemy is under our feet. It is our job to keep him there. Jesus paid the price, not so we could continue to live in bondage and hope everything goes all right. No, it's to pick up our stones and sling it at the giants and make sure that they get dropped. That is our job. That is our job. And I don't want to give the enemy too much credit. But there are real entities out there, and their job is to take down the believer. And it is our job to stay vigilant, stay awake, know exactly the susceptibilities that we have, whether they're generationally or in your, in your time. And if you don't know what I mean, hopefully that becomes clear as I go a little bit further along here. You, I, uh, what, what I sometimes see in Christianity is that and what I mean by giving the devil a little more credit is that most times, not most times, sometimes I see Christians blame the devil for everything for their, it's really their lack of self-control. They will straight up, it was the devil that flattened my tire. No, bro, you drove through a construction site and there's, there's nails. Lord, I just pray for healing in this tire. I'm not trying to mock anybody. Trust me, I'm not. I believe for, for great things, like weird things. People think I'm a, you know, a fool, crazy because of things I pray for. But how many of you guys know that not everything is the devil? Sometimes it's your own flesh, your own thinking, and you got to take thoughts captive. Amen? Let's look at the text. In verse 1, it says, as it, ha- in it, it happened in the spring of the year. You got that on the screen? Can you help a brother out? Anybody back there? Hello? If you can't, oh, hey, look at you. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. I want to say this, just because, not always, just because everything's going right, are you in the right place? 
See, they were working those guys. They were destroying them, but David was still in the wrong place. What's up, Jeff? Good to have you here, brother. Visiting us from Bristol Bay, Alaska. Helps run our church down there. So glad you're here, Jeff. God bless you. You notice that it was at the time when kings go to war, and he sent Joab and the army, and they were destroying them. But you know something about David is he was a man of war. He was not a man of, of laying on the couch. He was a man of war. And at the time when kings go to battle, the king was on the couch. Kind of reminds me of some 30-year-olds nowadays. Oh, oh, shoot. Now, I know there's some circumstances where that's appropriate. Maybe. Not. And I know sometimes there's some things that take place. But, you know, I see people my age, I'm 33 years old. The age Jesus was when he died on the cross. But I see people that, that refuse to go take a job. And, I, you know, listen, I know there's circumstances, and I'm not getting on everybody's case, but I hope to get on somebody's case. If you should be out working, don't be sitting on the couch. The Bible says if a man does not work, he does not. If a man does not work, he does not. Okay. We'll leave it at that. I love what Matthew Henry says. He says, when we are out of the way of our duty... We are in the way of temptation. When we are out of the way of our duty, we are in the way of temptation. David was not where he was supposed to be. Somebody say he wasn't there. He was supposed to be at war. He was a man of war. If you read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, you read in Kings, it says that he was a man of war. He was, he was so good at it. And so for him... I mean, hopefully you know yourself. If you don't, have, have your wife tell you or your husband. Have somebody help you out. But David was a man of war, and instead he was on the couch. Let me ask you, are you where you're supposed to be? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Hopefully you can answer yes. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you walking in the calling of God? I want to say this and write this down. Idleness breeds susceptibility. Idleness breeds susceptibility. That's a lot of words that are big. You want me to spell it? No, I'm not spelling it. Idleness breeds susceptibility. In verse 2, it says, then it happened one evening. Come on, help me out, brother. All right. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed. Like, come on, man. I, I, I'm sorry, you just read this story like, this is a setup from hell. And you think it's just David. No, he does the, the, the enemy does the same thing to you and I. He tries anyway. David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Now... The question is, what, what if I get tempted? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. David, 
I, I don't know what Bathsheba was thinking, okay? I just have a hard time with this. Just think about it just for a second. Okay, like Bathsheba's on the roof. Like, hello, like did you not know that there was a possibility that somebody could walk? I mean, do you bathe outside? When, when I, I don't do that. I mean, and I know circumstances and living conditions were a little different, but straight up, I mean, you can see the palace from your house. Like, surely you think maybe a guard's going to walk by. I mean, I, I just think about scripture like that. I'm like, hello, it just doesn't make sense to me exactly. The question is not, what if I get tempted? But what do I do when I get tempted? The question is not, what will I get tempted? But what do I do when I get tempted? A lot of people think it's sin to get tempted. It's actually not sin to get tempted. It's what you do with that temptation that makes the difference. Because you're dealing with a lot of stuff right now and you'll have the enemy come at you. But you have to deal with it in a correct and godly manner. And there is keys in the scripture of God that will give you exactly what you need in the moment that you need it. David was exposed to temptation. Now, we don't know what Bathsheba was thinking. We're just going to overlook that for just a moment. I see, you know, in this day and age, I I, I guess I don't want to move on from the Bathsheba thing only because I want to say this, that modesty has just straight up gone out the window nowadays. And, 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 you know, Maybe it's just how I think about the scripture. I think Bathsheba could have done better, known better. And I'm not, I'm not blaming her necessarily. Maybe I am. But maybe, maybe not. But I, I, you know, you can't go to the beach in Hawaii nowadays with like feeling like you're in like a, like a showgirls club or something. I mean, I know that there is a car shortage on Maui. I know there's a lumber shortage but there is not a bikini material shortage. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, maybe you don't because you, have, you don't deal with what we deal with over there, but I mean, you got your own things over here. I mean, I was straight up in Fred Myers, and I was like, girl, what are you wearing? I mean, the moment spring hits, the clothes comes off. Am I right? I mean, Jesus, but modesty just doesn't seem to exist anymore. I mean, I'm at the beach and I'm like, the only things I see are my children in the sand, you know, because I can't look anywhere else. I remember going to Vegas for a wedding and you, you just might as well stay in your bedroom the whole time. I mean... I don't know how the rest of you do it, but man, you go and walk down the sidewalk and you got those people that are flipping the cars and they got like naked women on, they throw them on the ground. So you can't look down. You can't look sideways because the newspaper thing, that's not newspapers inside of those things. That's not, that's not newspaper. You, the cars that are driving, that's not a tax, a regular taxi because it's got a woman on it. You can't look up because the billboard's got something on. I just can't, I'm like, you know, there's just no modesty. It's our world. It's a, it's a weird world we live in right now. But as Christians, we have to change the temperature. Oh, 
David saw Bathsheba. When he saw her, this was the moment that he could have beat the temptation. This was the moment. He could have gone a different, whole different direction. But instead, he didn't. This is the moment that things went south. It says in verse 3, come on, look at it. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? You know, reading this, the person was like, don't you know this lady's married? So David sees the woman and admires her, okay? But he's, he starts thinking about it. He starts thinking, and before you know it, he didn't take, take the thought captive, and he pursued it with some action. He said, let me think about this a little. Can you go and find out who that is? And the person comes back. I mean, I'm just saying, where is David's wife? Wives. Where are they in all of this? You know, I realize the servants might get their heads chopped off. But this guy, whoever came back and reported, tried his best. Is this not a married woman? Right? But David went from thinking about it to taking a pursuing action. And that is temptation right there. That is the human condition. Because before you ever have a fruit of action, you think about it. You think about it. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive and make it obedient to the word of God. Why? Because that's where the battle is. You can nip it in the bud right there. You win. Some of y'all just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I really didn't mean to go there. I really didn't, but I've been hanging out with Bella, and she's been singing a lot. So, some of y'all, the battle is just straight up there, and you have to win there. You have to win there. He didn't take his thoughts captive. You know, when I first got saved, taking my, captive, my, my thoughts captive was something... You know, I was in Pastor Josh's youth ministry, and it's one of, man, I got to hurry up. Jesus, help me. I was in his youth ministry, and one of the first things I ever learned was about taking your thoughts captive, because, you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the word of God, and you don't just have to sit in that rubbish. You can do something about it. So I remember when I first got saved, I had, you know, before I got saved, I watched, I watched porn. And thank God I've not dealt with porn since I've been saved. But, but when I got saved, I dealt with the images that I had seen. It's like a drug. And it's like, it's like things that just, the enemy just wants to replay those things for you. Put people in your path. Dude. But my problem was, when I would lay my head down to go to sleep at night, those images would come back. And so I learned as a baby Christian how to take my thoughts captive. Thank God for Pastor Josh and his preaching. Because he said, he said, all you got to do is say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. So when I would lay my head down, I would have it every single night. I would lay my head down on the pillow and those thoughts would come back. I would immediately sit up in my bed and say, I rebuke you in Jesus name. And for me, the thought went away. I would go to sleep. 
The next day, it'd come back. I'd do the same thing. Y'all, you got to be persevering. You cannot just let the enemy have his way. No, I'm tired. You get tired, the enemy's going to win. You have to have the Holy Ghost helping you, giving you strength all along the way so you can continue in righteousness. You have got to take, don't get tired. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due time, you will reap a harvest. You will have a breakthrough. You'll walk out the other side. And I would continue to do it, and before you knew it, it would happen less and less. Happen once a week. Once a month until soon enough, it never happens. But you got to take your thoughts captive, and David didn't do that. He went ahead and pursued with some action. Verse 4, it says, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returns to her house. You know, he carried out his desires. He didn't take his thoughts captive. He let them brood. And he went ahead and carried out his desires. And when it says he laid with her, they didn't take a nap. There's children in here. My children are in here. Hallelujah. It says that um, she was cleansed from her impurity. Some, some say that the reason she was taking the bath in the first place is just because she was done with her menstrual cycle. And some people say that uh, they, were, they were cleansing themselves because they, they had, outside of marriage, took a nap. So that's why they were cleansing themselves. Both of them cleansed themselves because actually in Leviticus, it says if, if something like that happened, number one, you should cleanse yourself. Number two, you should be stoned. So David wasn't about to give himself up. All right, praise the Lord. Verse 5. And the woman conceived. Somebody say, oh, no. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, I don't know about you, for those of y'all who have been pregnant, but, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while for you to know that you're pregnant. So there was some time that went by where David thought he got away with it. How many of y'all know that God is always watching? Sometimes we just don't have the fear of the Lord and we just act like only people around us are watching. But let me tell you something. God is always watching. He knows every thought. He knows every single hair on your head. And he knows you're going and coming. David had thought he'd gotten away with it. And notice the pattern. I want to point this out before we get into some application. Notice the pattern. Idleness. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. Imagine a stream going, uh, a waterfall coming down, and, and there's a pool of water at the bottom. No longer is the water running. What happens? It starts getting murky, and leaves are in there. and starts getting disgusting. Idleness. Then temptation comes. Then the thought conceives. This is a, this is a recipe, y'all. This is a recipe for destruction, but it also can be a recipe of life if you realize the way that the enemy works. He starts with idle. You you can be idle, then temptation comes, then thoughts conceive. If you're taking notes, write it down. Action is taken, and then you try and cover it up. God is speaking to us. The first thing he's speaking is the enemy wants to tempt all of us. There is not a single person that the enemy does not try and tempt. Well, I'm exempt, Pastor, because I'm... No, you're not exempt. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fail. Even if you're doing good, you need to take heed. You need to be vigilant. You need to be paying attention. You need to be helping your children that are young. Your children are still in your household. You should be helping your children, staying vigilant, paying attention. Don't just let them watch anything they want at 12 o'clock at night while you go to sleep. Because temptation comes for them too. You need to maintain standards in your own life. Maintain standards. Don't slip. Don't give in. Don't let someone peer pressure you, whether they're a Christian or not. I try and not watch sexual content when I watch movies. It is really hard. There is not a single stinking Netflix show that doesn't have sexual content nowadays. But you have to maintain your standards. Why? Because I'm not going back. I'm not going back. The moment Instagram becomes a problem, get off of it. The moment your cell phone becomes a problem, get off of it. Okay, yeah, I got a couple there, but that was a little touchy. The God of Samsung, the God of Apple. You know why there's an Apple symbol on your phone, right? So remind you of Adam and Eve. I got you thinking now. I got you thinking now. You got to stay close to the Lord. To overcome temptation, you got to stay close to the Lord. Locked in. Avoid susceptible situations. I don't ride in the car with a female by ourselves. That is a personal standard of mine. Why? I'm avoiding susceptible situations. Am I susceptible? No, not necessarily, but I'm also not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I remember remember when I was in in Bible school, this girl needed a ride home. She lived right down the way from me. She needed a ride home, and I had a truck. It's Hawaii, and I I consider myself a gentleman, but I'm sorry. I said, if you want to ride, you got to ride in the back of the truck. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. The enemy tries to tempt us all. He tried to tempt Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Peter around the fire. Ananias and Sapphira with their money. Not just tried. Some of these, they succeeded. The enemy... Satan tempted Jesus. So for those of you who think that being tempted is sin, it's not. It's when you give in to the temptation that becomes sin. Because Jesus, while he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, was tempted. Jesus, a man without sin, fully God, fully man, without sin, never sin, never will sin, was tempted. Don't think you're exempt. Nobody's exempt. If the Son of God can be tempted, you can be tempted. Well, well, I, well I'm a female. I, I don't. It, it, <laughs> we all get tempted. Temptation is not just, you know, all right, whatever. 
The second thing is the enemy looks for your vulnerabilities. The enemy looks for your vulnerabilities. What age group are you in? Are you a teenager? Are you in your 20s? Are you in your 30s? Are you 70, 80? He looks for your vulnerabilities. Your vulnerabilities in the decade that you were in are probably not the same that they were when you were younger. Is anybody with me still? He'll try anything he can in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. And I'm going to try and wrap this up as soon as I can. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know why he's a roaring lion? Because sometimes the smoke screen that he, if he just roars, he doesn't even have to bite you or try and kill you. If just he roars, he throws a smoke screen out there, you're done. You don't even get to the actual mauling. Was that graphic? I'm sorry. You know, because the enemy can just throw fear out there that something's going to happen and you're done. Okay. It's like, you know, like Goliath yelling and cursing God and the people of Israel. And then David just picks up the sling and just rams it down his throat, actually his forehead. But you get the point. You need to pick up your stone and sling it. This is a personal thing. I believe that the enemy starts with generational susceptibilities. I believe that the first place that the enemy tries to tempt you is in generational areas. What do I mean by that? If your dad was an alcoholic, he will tempt you with alcohol. If your mom dealt with depression, he will tempt you to slip into depression, anxiety, fear. Gossip, anger. I believe that he starts with generational susceptibilities. Lust. Lust. I believe also that we need to be aware of common gender susceptibilities. What do I mean by that? Gender susceptibilities. There's two genders. Did that just blow your mind? All right, we're going to remain in a moment of silence. I'm sorry, but there are two genders, male and female. Why? Because the Bible says so. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Amen. But what I mean by gender susceptibilities, you are susceptible to your gender. Okay? The enemy comes at you as a man in the most common ways are in pride, women, and greed, money. Pride, women, greed. Now, I had to to get some help for the women because I'm not a woman. I've read a lot of books, sat under a lot of preaching, and I've asked some women. So this might not hit the mark for everybody. But women deal with emotional things, fantasizing, anxiety, fear. 
And the enemy wants to cripple you. He wants to keep you from fulfilling the plan of God. And if he can work on you because he knows you're susceptible, he'll try. And until you overcome that puppy, he's going to keep on trying. But I have some good news. Somebody say good news. You can overcome temptation. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I can overcome temptation. The first thing is you need to be where you're supposed to be. Don't be idle. If you're supposed to be at war, be at war. Not on the couch. If you're supposed to be at home with your wife and children, don't be hanging around the guys in the parking lot drinking beer. David's temptation came because he was in the wrong place. I love this other quote by Matthew Henry. He says, idleness gives great advantage to the tempter. Standing waters gather filth. Don't be idle. Be where you're supposed to be. Are you where you're supposed to be? I know you asked that earlier. I asked that earlier. Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you flowing in what you're supposed to be flowing in? Be true to yourself and how God's made you. If you're doing something that is out of who God has made you to be, stop and go and do what God has called you to do. Some of you might be doing some other job, but God has called you to do something else. Maybe you're supposed to be a missionary, but you're a plumber. Maybe you're, you're a missionary, but you're supposed to be a plumber. Did you get that? Because sometimes we think that the only, only person that's got purpose and destiny is a guy behind a pulpit. No. Did you know that there's people that you're going to fix pipes for as a plumber that I will never have a chance to witness to? But because you step foot in that household and you see that broken wife, you see that broken husband, you get to minister life to them. Don't think that it's one size fit all because it's not. Pastor Daniel said last week, he said, Pastor Alex, bring the fire. I said, my fire is different than you. It is. I'll tell you what, I learned a lot from that man, but I still am a lot different. And I'm okay with that. You need to be okay with that. And if God told me, if he told me to go be a car salesman, I'd go be the best car salesman for Jesus I possibly could be. And you should too. And you should too. When you're in the plan of God, it releases confidence to you. It gives you confidence. Confidence comes in the what, even if you don't know why. God told me and my wife to go back to Maui. It hurt. For two and a half years, I prayed, why? Until one day after early morning prayer, I'm walking in the parking lot of the church and praying, and God speaks to me and says, this is why. Two and a half years. Knowing the what, but not knowing the why. When you know the what, you have confidence to obey God. Because if he speaks it, you do it. If he, take, he tells you to take your child and go with the fire and the knife up on the mountain and you don't know why, you do the what. And believe God for the why. 
When it comes to temptation, some people say, I just can't, I just can't do it. I just, I can't know. It's not true. God always gives a way of escape. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Minister Micah, if you'd come. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. Somebody say, He's faithful. He is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with that temptation will also come the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's always a way out. But I, I, ju- I just couldn't. No, you could. David on top of the palace, when he saw Bathsheba, it could have went a totally different direction. You know, I I, I feel to say this. Some people have given into temptation and you feel there's no way back. That God won't forgive me. David said something powerful in one of his other failings, by the way. When anybody remember the story where David asked uh, Joab to go and count all the people in Israel? And if you don't know it, I believe it's in 1 Kings. I might be wrong about that. But he asked. Joab to go and count and to me it seemed like an issue of pride or disobedience to the Lord and Joab said are you sure you want to do this and he said he said yes go and do it so Joab goes and obeys and he does it and he comes back he tells him and the Lord sends a prophet and tells David David you just did wrong and because you did wrong you get to choose from three things that are going to take place and one of them was disease or something's going to come to the people of Israel. One of them was, you're, you're going to fall into the, to the hands of, of uh, some other people, and they're going to put you on the run, and you're going to whatever. And he says this, I choose the first one because I'd rather have my punishment come directly from the Lord because at least I know that he might be merciful to me. And I want to say this to those of you who have maybe gone down choosing the path of temptation like David did and made the wrong mistake and maybe you feel like a place of destruction lost, broken, feeling like there's no way out and that God would never forgive you the truth is, is that God is merciful the truth is, is that you need to just repent the Bible says that he takes that and he throws it as far as the east is from the west and the truth is, is that none of us know how merciful he will be but I would much rather fall into the hands of my God who is merciful than than to be in the enemy's hand. We will overcome Bathsheba. Whatever Bathsheba looks like for you, I know many of the things it looks like for me. I'm going to overcome Bathsheba. I'm going to overcome temptation. I'm believing for, for, for God to just pour out His Spirit so much and for God to do great and mighty things. And it takes... A body of believers that are vigilant and ready 
and not willing to just give in to anything that comes their way, but will stand vigilant saying, no, I am better than that and I'm not going to give in to it. And he is raising up a people that are going to say no to things that they otherwise would have said yes to. Don't give in to Bathsheba. Don't be susceptible to the things that are generational. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic. You don't have to be. Maybe, maybe your family member were, were raging people with anger that was so deep and brokenness that was so wide. You don't have to be like that. There's a different life. Amen? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.